0: get in the car seatbelt on handful of popcorn what's that sound pull on to high five cinema bound so i can't believe it's october you guys can you
1: it is the greatest month in the
2: world I, i i agree with that i also refuse to believe that it is october right now that's like fan fiction. It can't be real. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it cannot be real. I'd love to write a fan fiction about me like making gentle love to October. <laughs> that would rock. Well, I think people Forget know that... about April, baby. I'm all yours.
0: <laughs> I think people know that you're French now, Guillaume.
1: Oh, really? Because of uh, what? what? The the lovemaking parts?
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> Yeah, only like, yeah, it's like five seconds, and already my, my cover is completely blown. <laughs> <laughs>
0: completely. It's a dead giveaway. Um,
1: uh, I love your theme music. It's really nice.
0: Oh, thanks. It's yeah, really I, I, I did it. On a I little, know. A little Casio that I bought uh, on Craigslist. Oh, really? Yeah. It, I met the up Craigslist with Craigslist. sounds
1: you. so dangerous. You? For a
0: oh, yeah, you don't really use it in France, huh?
1: We don't have Craigslist in France, and if, I, if, if, the, if it existed, I would not use it ever. It, it sounds like something like you get killed for, you know, like, oh, you want a <laughs> table? How about murder? <laughs> <laughs> That's a really ackee, like, stand-up jokes about, you know. Yeah.
0: I don't know, Rob, <laughs> like, are you a Craigslist, Craigslist guy?
2: No, not at all. Really? Um, <laughs> no. I I it's I dying. agree. It is kind of scary. I mean, speaking of October, that's like the scariest thing you can do is oh, yeah. to go on Craigslist. Um, I feel like the last time that I bought something, it was like a cooler from like a strange man in Orange County in 2012. <laughs> and then I never, never used it again. Oh my
1: god, you never opened the cooler? What's in the cooler? <laughs> What's in the cooler? <laughs> I think that's a, Just a head. Just place. a head. Just, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I met up with a dude in Lake Oswego, Oregon, which is like a rich suburb, and yeah. in a parking lot of uh, Albertsons. And uh, oh my god, met up with masks on, did a switcheroo. It was pretty fun. <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah, it's very exciting. I'm really curious. Have either of you guys seen? um I watched a sort of spooky movie with my dad last week. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm thinking of ending things.
1: Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. yeah. That- <laughs> I, I saw it, of course. It's my favorite director, I think. I mean, really? contemporary, you know. Yeah, Charlie Kaufman, Cynic Doc New York, rocked my world. Like, it rocked my tits. Rock my tits off. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I mean, I love Philip Seymour Hoffman. R.I.P. is amazing. Uh, He's amazing in it. I love meta narratives, so like this is perfect. And I was so looking forward for like his return. And like Cinemdoc completely bombed, so no one wanted to really give him a project. Then he did this weird like claymation thing with like Dan Harmon. Mm -hmm. It it was pretty good, but pretty dark and kind of okay. I I, I liked it, but it was not at the same level that I was uh, used to. But yeah, I'm thinking of ending things amazing i loved, absolutely loved it you well like it?
0: i hated it
1: oh yeah <laughs> oh, i walked right into it <laughs> was i was uh, i kept oh, thinking fuck. about
0: i was thinking of turning it off like
1: are you kidding me I, were you watching it like pretty late were you a little bit tired because it's pretty it's kind of long
0: it kind of hurt my head it just like i was trying yeah. to
1: but, like were you rested and relaxed no
0: well, my dad and I were just chilling, like trying to have a movie night, and uh, mm.
1: we just wanted it's not to be really scared. Like chill. We, we didn't uh, want to
0: feel. To be,
1: yeah. I mean, if you had like expectations like this, of obviously it's not going to work. It's not a scary movie. It's not a horror movie.
0: Yeah, I shouldn't it's have thought like- it was. Yeah, we're, Rob. Rob, help me out here.
1: Oh yeah, no, I totally agree.
2: I hated it. Oh Um, my god. (laughs) I had such a bad time. Oh Um, god, that's crazy. I know, it was such a struggle. I can't even think (laughs) of one thing that I liked about it really. Can you, Megan? (laughs) (laughs) I I love Tony
0: Collette. I love Tony Collette. I love the main girl and a lot of the things that she said. Um she talked about a lot of the stuff that I've been reading about in my classes. And nice. like, oh yeah i know that
2: um yeah, oh this is secretly that. a three-star movie for you you kind of yeah. like it
1: yeah you kind of liked it
2: yeah you kind of like it <laughs>
0: yeah okay but i like being dramatic and
1: <laughs> yeah don't I don't like being like I yeah. I yeah, yeah. I was mean, thinking of turning
0: it off. Well, I was also like <laughs> to my dad. Thinking of
1: ending the watching of the movie.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's the joke I made on my letterboxed review. <laughs> oh
1: shit! I did. I stole it. Just downright stole it. It's mine um, yeah. now. <laughs> but,
0: um, yeah. So that brings me to something that I like to ask guests, which is about your um, movie viewing habits. Like, oh. how? What was? What were movies like for you as a kid? Like, what did you like watching? And how often do you watch movies nowadays? Like, what do you gravitate um, towards?
1: When I was a kid, it was like, uh, you know, VHS tapes. Um, I, that like, uh, we didn't really buy them already. It was already like piracy kind of because we just recorded like programs. And then I just watched these tapes like over and over and over again. So there's like a handful of movies that I've watched like a thousand times. I, I didn't, I was really like, I mean, all kids are kind of like that. they like repetition. They like to know what's going to happen kind of. Yeah. And uh, and so the movies that I watched the most was The Mask, which I rewatched like recently because my girlfriend had never seen it and I thought that was crazy. Because it's an amazing movie. <laughs> really love The Mask, and uh, like Home Alone, of course. Completely mm. identify in uh, in the character of uh, Kevin McAllister. And I thought about Home Alone also when we watched, I mean, I'm not going to spoil the movies we are going to discussing next. But it there's it's kind of a twisted Home Alone kind of thing. Like it's mm. it's literally called Home. And yeah. uh, now um, it's uh, very chaotic watching habits because uh, it's quarantine because of COVID and stuff. And I just was I'm, I love the idea of an excuse to just watch movies all day. So I've watched like 130 like movies for the confinement, and Whoa. it was like yeah four movies a day. I, I've watched every movie by Herzog. I've watched all his filmography. I know all of them now. Uh, except I, I stopped at 2016 because it's, it's, it started to be kind of shitty. But I will, I will <laughs> complete it one day. But I mean, wow! And that's why I rec- also like wanted to to see this one with the, with you guys to see what you were thinking. Now I'm freaked out because if you didn't like, I'm thinking of any things. <laughs> maybe you fucking hate both movies I I proposed, and I'm terrified. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll see. We'll, but, we'll, we'll, we'll see, see. We'll see. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Oh, by the way, you're listening to i5 Cinema Bound, a podcast uh, yeah. of haters. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm Megan. They
1: Hatt.
2: hate. A podcast of <laughs> hating every movie. There we're, is. Yeah, we're rebranding. <laughs> <this> <laughs> uh, I am a Rob Patrick.
0: Our guest today is Guillaume Mathieu, coming to us from Paris. He's an independent musician. He spends his time reading, watching movies, and making music in his apartment. And he records yeah. music and releases music as ar- ar- the anarcho-pop,
1: right? Hell yeah. Yes, yes. Thank you for inviting me. It's a great honor. Love, uh, love discussing uh, movies. Uh, love Zooming. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm really into Zooming right now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this is a, a great pleasure.
0: Cool. Thanks for being here. And, uh, yeah, these picks were quite, um, they're very, you know, um, there's a lot of darkness and sadness in these films. Yes.
1: Um, Yes. I realized that, that I should have maybe like listened to the podcast before I suggested the movies, because I would have realized that you were not specifically looking into, uh, for movies that wanted uh, that made you want to kill yourself. <laughs> you, you maybe wanted like more like relaxing experiences of watching. Maybe no, I don't know. Definitely, I not. felt kind of bad rewatching them. I was like, oh shit! I, I didn't realize like what I I put you I put you guys through. But yeah, no, <laughs> it's a, it's, we want we want
0: it, yeah, um, yeah, you want it all. Yeah,
1: yeah, you want it all. Yeah, got it. You got it. <laughs> so, yeah, which which movies you, do you want to get into first? I was I was thinking maybe like the documentary first because it's kind of sad and then end up on a like more funny, weirdly funny movie maybe, I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's perfect for me.
1: Yeah, that sounds great. Cool. Okay. So,
0: yeah, the first film was Land of Silence and Darkness from 1971 by Werner Herzog. The one and only, uh,
1: yeah.
0: and yes. how did you come to watch this film, Guillaume? And yeah, why did well, you choose
1: uh, it? As I told you, the um, uh, I came across it because I wanted to watch every Werner Herzog movie, uh, like uh, chronologically. So it was one of the first, actually. Uh, I mean, no, yeah, kind of. If you see, like, how many movies he made, it's one of the first. And I was, like, completely, like, surprised that it didn't uh, really uh, register for uh, cinephiles as, a like, a, a great movie. Like, we always co- uh, talk about, like, Grizzly Man and maybe, like, The White Diamond and uh, Little Detail Needs to Fly, Wings of Hope. Like, a lot of uh, documentaries, or uh, Into the Abyss, but I've never heard about this movie before. And I was, like, completely floored from A to Z, like, to discover w- what, it, what it is. Like, it's, uh, yeah. It completely like uh, upset me and uh, inspired me at the same time, and uh, I, I felt like really is humanity uh, the most uh, in in this in, in this one, like uh, the the kindness and the love, like uh, that he that he that he wants to show us, and the hope, even if it's like such a dark subject. Dark is, is in the main, it's in, it's in the title, but it's so like incredible and amazing. I, uh, yeah, loved it. I wanted to you guys to watch it. I don't know because mainly because I'm usually like alone in my cinema experience. So like these kind of movies, if I like tell to someone at a party like, Oh you should watch it, I know they will not do it. Like you always do that at party like oh yeah, yeah, definitely they will not and i don't no. i'm not mad at them they do the same thing <laughs> <But> <laughs> now i had you guys cornered because whatever i said <laughs> you had to fucking watch it <laughs> so, <laughs> it's a good occasion i just wanted to to talk uh about it not to have only uh it's on my mind only i want to share yeah. it yeah sharing is like the main thing about this movie also
0: mm-hmm. that's amazing yeah that's a great idea and like yeah, I love the idea of. I feel like I did that in our first episode where I was just like, "I want to talk about the lobster. We're gonna talk."
1: Yeah, let's <laughs> yeah. double down. Yeah, that experience would yeah. have been really funny with the with, with your parent. Uh, it was with your mother. You watched it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I've I've made my mother watch Questionable movies also, so it's <laughs> pretty awkward. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. So just to set up this film for you, all yeah. it's about Finny Strombinger. Uh pronunciation um, who, <laughs> I'm, I'm Germ- I have a German last name I should be better at this um, <laughs> and she is a deafblind woman who spent like 30 years in bed uh, totally isolated and now is spending seems like all of her time traveling and connecting with other deafblind people and uh, it's pretty, pretty amazing I love this film it yeah, was, you loved it? Yeah, it was beautiful and nice. really special. And um, Initial reaction, Rob?
2: Oh, I loved it too. And I totally agree that it's weird that this film is curiously absent from people's minds when they talk about him as a director. Um, I had never heard of it prior to this. And I'm glad that I finally... Saw Werner Herzog's earlier work, um, and one of the things that crossed my mind is that usually he is really present in his films, from the way that he um, narrates them and the way that he kind of uh, becomes one with his films. But here he's not altogether around. I mean, he stands yeah. back, and I think that the film is better because of it. Um, So I don't know. I'm curious to hear both of your thoughts about the way he kind of decided to stay back in this film and not really project his opinions on anything.
1: Uh, That's very true because, like, uh, one of the things that I loved, uh, like, that hooked me on Herzog, is like his voice. Like, it's the first thing that strikes Mm -hmm. you is the way he phrases uh, his sentences, his words, and more important than anything is. His actual voice and he doesn't actually yeah uh, realize the power of it in his earlier films I think uh, like yeah. his early documentary I think doesn't really portrays it that much so yeah he's really completely absent in this one which uh, I agree is a, is a break but a welcoming one because it really doesn't need anything from him and and especially because you're completely like um, uh, you're um, plongé uh, do you say like too yeah yeah, you're plunged into the world of the deaf and uh, and the, um, and the blind, and having a an able person uh, like kind of asking questions and and stuff would have like um, been like a white noise, like uh, useless, I think. And the protagonist uh, makes his job so easy because she's so well spoken. Mm-hmm. She's like amazing. Like I, I I had to actually like write this write this this down because like. She really like choose uh, the, choose the, the you know, with her mouth, uh, uh work before. She's like, if I were a painter, I'd represent our condition, our condition like this. It's like exactly what a filmmaker is supposed to do, like to represent mm-hmm. her condition. And she's like, okay, so hear me out, uh, hear me out on this one. I know like <laughs> the out. visual medium is going to be hard for you to portray like what I'm feeling, uh, in this inner world. And she just, lays it all up with like this beautiful metaphor of like this river flowing, this dark river flowing. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, she's in this, in this train. And I was like completely in love with her, like right away. Like you, you're just fascinated with the, with our character, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's so vibrant and like alive and expressive. And I loved at the beginning how um she's being interviewed on a park bench and she describes these things that she remembers seeing when she was younger and she's like describing the ski jumper and then these animals and she goes i wish you could see it
1: like, yeah i love that it's like also. wow
0: like she is blind and she is wishing that we could see something that she saw it, it just gave like, me Bert's goosebumps like, <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Amazing.
1: And it's really funny that it's, the movie starts with this uh, image of the ski jumper because uh, it's a fact that I didn't know uh, at first, but uh, when I saw the documentary that Herzog uh, made about a famous uh, ski jumper, uh, it's called The Great Ecstasy of Woodcover Steiner. I recommend it uh, also. It's an incredible, incredible movie. One of his earlier ones. And he's, he's most part of it because uh, when he was young, he really uh, he, he, he thought he would become a great ski jumper. So he was ski jumping and then he realized mm-hmm. the danger he put himself into and kind of stopped it altogether. So mm-hmm. he has like this amazing way to put his own like experience in the movie with, without you ever really realizing it. And all his movies are all like linked together in weird ways. Like the first uh, scene where you, you see her um, with her friend discover the, the uh, flying on an airplane it's also like a, a major theme in all his filmography uh because he talked about plane crashes he lost people to plane crashes in his like actual shootings uh, of movies uh he he talks about it constantly and and there it is like you the first minutes you see this, you see the ski jumping and you see the airplane and everything is there and you see especially the strongest character possible like a person that is just bigger than life that's just like you couldn't write it better than than this, and and yeah, and I, I thought about your point uh, at the first episode. You told about it was too bad that uh, the documentaries and and uh, and the fiction was uh, discussed separately, and that's why I also wanted to get really into Herzog. Is that like is he made uh, both great documentary and great fictions, and the, it both serves kind of the same purpose in a way? Uh, it, it really makes sense and. Yeah, it's 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 quite incredible. So it it didn't like bum you out too much, but they, because there is difficult scenes in in the movie, I thought.
0: <laughs> For me, the most difficult scene was when they were like holding that monkey.
1: Oh really? Oh, I, I, that was, <laughs> I it. That
0: was, the like, monkey was monkey trying time. to escape. No, the not, monkey not was that
1: playing. much. Uh, he was playing with them. I That's thought. questionable. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I know, yeah, they touch like there's an elephant. It's, it's, I don't know, it's like the, uh, the scenes where the, the, they discover the plants, they discover the monkey, they are kind of like intermission between like kind of painful scenes, mm-hmm. I thought. So I was like, okay, so this is kind of recess. I'm kind of just, whew, that was a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. For me, a lot of the pain, the most painful parts or the saddest parts were people describing. In the past being more isolated than they are now
1: yeah yeah definitely yeah, I agree so it with was that.
0: it was really hopeful in a lot of ways for me
1: definitely rob what what, what did you think was like the most like painful difficult scene to watch oh, was gosh. there ever a point where you post post the movie uh, took a break or did you just watch it all the way through like that
2: i watched it all the way through i thought every well thought everything was more moving than painful although the very end um when oh gosh i forgot this gentleman's name but when he's like feeling the tree and like oh yeah that's incredible the limbs and the branches and everything that i would consider to be like super painful and super um i don't know it's just quite a way to end the movie like it provided a lot of punctuation and um yeah that i maybe that was the most difficult for me that that particular wow,
1: that's amazing because um, yes, I it is. it is difficult I, I, th- I thought the 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 deaf uh, blind uh, children a uh, child uh, that was called Vladimir who spent all these uh, oh, yeah was very 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 difficult but I agree sure. that it really it ended on this poignant uh but I interpreted it as like again this uh, restless figure that Finney, uh really is because even though like it's one of the first time when we can see and it's usually men because there's also another man in the movie that's kind of like not really curious or, or just really into itself and that kind of like uh, makes faces that are dignified but is not really reaching out or trying to communicate and the second one is really like that because he, he really like gets bored of it really quickly and just goes on his own to just fill the trees mm. and you he, he then like goes home and his, his translator or his mother uh, joins him and then you're like, and the translator of Finney joins them. And then you're like, oh, wait, where's Finney? Because she must be all alone. Our translator just left and the, the, the camera just pans and you can see her feeling the tree as the guy was doing it. And you can feel like even this, in this moment with this person that was like kind of rejection human interaction because he couldn't make sense of it. Mm. She tried to make sense of him because she knew like that the she thought that the key was in this tree. Like she wanted to like experience it in the same way as he, he did, because she she just doesn't like give up like that that's what the most inspiring i I think thing was she just doesn't give up even in those cases yeah
0: Mm -hmm. yeah she desperately wants to connect and uh, wants to help help others express themselves like however they can which is you know she's like a teacher she's very much like a yes sort of teacher figure And like, yeah, that brings me to like the importance of the tactile in this film, which is amazing yeah. Um, yeah. to see and just like. Did
1: you did you know about this uh, way of speaking before? Because I I, I did not know about it uh, before watching the movie. No, not at all. Because I was wondering because in American education you have um, you know a lot about uh, Hélène Keller, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we don't talk about her at all in French mm-hmm. education. I only know about her from like uh, American uh, mediums. Media, and uh, so I was wondering if you like yes, if you knew this way of communicating with the palm of the hand, the tactile, what they call the tactile alphabet. Mm-hmm. If, they, if they were talking to you about that with Helen Keller.
0: I thought because that I- Helen Keller. Uh, okay, so when I was a kid, I auditioned for this play. It was like about Helen Keller, and yeah. I actually cringe thinking about that because oh, yeah. <laughs> I was I, I had good. to audition to be a blind girl. And it's just, I think that's a little questionable. Like, anyway. um, Yeah, Yeah, so I thought that in the play, they did this thing where they are putting someone who's communicating with a deafblind person will make letters on their hand, but it was more like with the hand, like, I can't show this on the podcast, but (laughs) doing doing the ASL alphabet on the the palm of someone's hands, that's what I thought tactile language was.
1: Yeah, yeah, and at first you don't really understand what's happening. You, it feels like some kind of, like, weird typewriter on the hand, and then she just puts on this glove where it all it's all, like, spelled out. Yeah. And you can see, like, that each tiny movement, like, each phalange, how would you say phalange? I don't know. Phalange is the right finger? word? Finger? I don't know. Finger, like, Maybe. finger parts, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, segments yeah, finger. parts, yeah. yeah. And every segment has a letter, and every movement can mean, like, a specific sound, and they associate them with each other and and it's it's in, uh, incredible also because like sign language i heard uh, is different between languages like uh, you if you're good at sign, uh, sign language in french it's it won't translate in english and whatever but in this way because it's the alphabet uh mm. it's actually more universal maybe i don't know mm. I, I thought that was fascinating but it must be so incredibly tricky to learn it to oh my god like yeah She's so quick with it. She's able to. I mean, we don't know German, so we, we can't really know how well she pronounces words, but she sounded like completely like, uh, voice abled, uh, when yeah. she was speaking German. I'm not a specialist. Maybe she had a different tone or something, but I mean, wow. Just wow. And she lost. Oh, oh, yeah. And when she tells the story of the the way uh, she 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 loses uh, her, her sight and hearing, also, I was like, oh my god, because yeah, this is like the main my main fear. I think. What's what's your guys' biggest fears, Rob? What's your like biggest fear, like? Oh. Everything.
2: Um, can I pick one? I don't know. Um, <clears throat> if you had to. If you had to pick one. <laughs> Everything that's happening now in the world. <laughs> uh, oh, really? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Biggest terrible. fear
0: yeah. is another Trump presidency. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fear,
2: yeah uh,
1: <laughs>
2: I tried to look past that, but I couldn't. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, I get it. I get it. You too, Um, Trump yeah that's your most immediate yeah dread yeah yeah. I guess. I guess. I
0: don't know. I think. Well, if you're if you're talking about senses, like losing a sense, is that what you're talking about?
1: No, not uh, not especially. No, not especially. If well, if if. Yeah. But yes, that's what I'm talking about. Also, because my biggest fear uh, when I was a kid was absolutely losing my sight. Like I was terrified oh, about yeah. that. And I think that's why it also resonated a lot uh, with me because uh, when I was a kid, uh, I wasn't like afraid of the dark because of like monsters or, or things thing like that. I was just afraid of the dark because when it's like pitch black. I feel like I could be blind and not know it. It's sure. stupid. But so like before the phones, I'm really old. So well, before the phones, I didn't have like much like... If I was like in a room, not in my room, because in my room, of of course there would be like a source of light. But if I was in a strange room and there was no uh, no light ever, like pitch black, I would be like terrified. And I would like, be like breaking into these sweats and just... Uh, look for uh, any kind of like uh, light to make sure that i wasn't getting blind because i was like okay this is the biggest curse in life that you could have I, I, I now realize that this is definitely not the biggest curse in life <laughs> to be blind but yeah. it's one of the big ones i think i still think it's it's it's, it's pretty much one of the big ones and uh, yeah the combination of the uh, of not hearing and not uh, seeing is uh uh-huh. i mean it's it's too big to even like, like actually realize. And uh, this movie is like the closest that you can actually try to realize. Because again, Finney makes it uh, like uh, plain spoken for you. She really like. I mean, I almost like want to to to, to read um, the, the 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 kind of poem, the descriptive uh, painting that she said. Could, could I just read it, or, or do you yeah. think it would be too long? Definitely. Okay. So she said, if I were a painter, I'd represent our condition like this. And that's one of the key moments for me because she, yeah, she reaches out. Blindness like a black river flowing slowly like a melody towards great falls. On its banks, beautiful trees and flowers and birds singing sweetly. The other river coming from the other side is as clear as the purest crystal. This one also flows slowly, but without any sound. Deep down, there is a very dark, and deep lake where the two rivers meet. Where they join, there are rocks making the waters foam. Afterwards, to let them flow silently and slowly into that somber reservoir, which lies in a deadly calm, only troubled by an o- occasional ripple, representing the agony of mind of the deafblind. The rocks who tear, who tear the waters stand for the depression that the blind and the deaf feel when they become deafblind. I can't explain it any better but that's how I feel. I was floored. I turned into kind of a Erzog uh, <laughs> at the end. There. <laughs> I should have I should have, uh, yeah. Done my, my full Erzog impression, but that's yeah, no. I couldn't just disrespect this beautiful like uh, yeah. kind of poem like that. Oh, oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It's beautiful.
0: Yeah, it's really evocative too. But yeah, that brings me to like you know, the idea of, I took a class this summer that was all about um, access and disability and art and made me realize that like, disability is, uh, there are times in everyone's life, it's like you can be temporarily disabled in ways. And it's like, it's almost sort of like a spectrum of like, some people have disabilities in certain situations. And like we can be disabled in certain situations if we're not able to do have our like access needs met. And just like that really, I I was really impressed by this film and its treatment of the deaf, the deaf blind people. And, um, like maybe some people would disagree, but I think there was like very much a respect for, um, like I, I think about was it a teacher or one of the people at the at the home? or know the school for the deafblind boys. Yeah, uh, the deafblind children when they were talking about how it's really hard to teach them abstract concepts. Yeah. Um, but how and how they interpret like certain words will always be a mystery to us. But just sort of that kind of language of like they perceive the world differently, and that's just how it is and it's not like worse or like inferior just like i think it they did a good job of sort of capturing the the wide scope of experience and ways of living and there were times when they were all talking with tactile language and i couldn't understand what was going on and so it's like i was not able to figure out like what was going on whereas they're not able to see or hear things and they miss out on things that are happening in the world, and I'm missing out on what they're talking about. And I don't speak German. So there's already a layer of translation there. So it's just like interesting to think about all those layers, all the different like senses and uh, spheres that people are existing in and interacting in.
1: Definitely. Absolutely. Uh, And it's also like kind of um, binds uh, the the movie and uh, the notion of language uh, into another um, film of uh, Bernard Herzog, which is called uh, uh, The Dream of uh, Green Ants. Is is really concerned about the preservation of like almost extinct language, and he reproaches he like a uh, uh, modern ecologist uh, to be uh, focused on the nature, but not also focused on the uh, on, on the, uh, human uh, languages and experiences and what we've built and what might disappear if you don't uh, uh, take care of it. And in this movie, uh, the dreams of dreaming of the green ends, something like that, uh, you can see like. Uh, Uh, some people who speak language that are almost uh, spoken by nobody anymore. And I was uh, thinking about that when we see this lady who is in uh, uh, this asylum, and she only uses to be able to speak with her mother by uh, putting her finger on on her lips. But now that her mother was dead, she just couldn't communicate with uh, nobody anymore. And it reminded me of this uh, dead language and the world that uh, it creates within us uh that the this world that uh, she shared with her mother is now permanently like not lost she it exists within herself but it is uh, completely lost to us and uh, our inner world or inner experience is something that is definitely like not reachable and and yeah speaking about the the abstract concept in the school of the boys I was amazed also because I didn't there's something you don't realize and one of the things I didn't realize is was the concept of just a bathing in water Like it took time for him to go into the pool and I was wondering like if I never saw water or like heard it about it I mean what if terrifying concept would it be to just be submerged by it like the feeling like and and I don't know if it's true or not I think it's kind of a uh, half true but uh, they also say that when you lose uh, one sense and the other the other uh, becomes more extreme like uh, you know it mm-hmm. picks up I don't know if it's true or not maybe it might be a myth but I, I can only wonder like it's it's already like almost overwhelming for me when I go to into the pool and I'm really cold and I feel the water on me I can't imagine like how extreme how intense that experience must be when like touch is your main way to like interact with uh, the outer world, you know Oh, well
2: <laughs> And he made this film when he was in his 30s, right? um so so he makes this really thoughtful, empathetic film, Land of Silence and Darkness, which we're talking about right now, 1971. So he's in his 30s. And then he decides the very next year, you know what? I'm Werner Herzog. Like, what can I do? And he makes the most ridiculous, outrageous, and notoriously difficult narrative film, which is a Gary Wrath of God, right? Yeah. so. It's a terrible shoot. They're on location on the Amazon River. Klaus Kinski is yelling and being (laughs) completely terrible and like obnoxious. And (laughs) it's like a whole thing. And it turns out to be like a classic, like it's a revered, it's a great film. And then after that, uh, what is it? 1974, um, Herzog returns to documentary filmmaking with... Like Yem said earlier, with a story about ski jumping. Yeah. Called, and I, lo- I love this this documentary title, The Great Ecstasy of Wood, yeah. Wood Carver Steiner. Just rolls what a great off. title. It's a great title. Yeah. So he goes right back into documentary filmmaking after this like obstacle horse of a film that he shot in the 72. And I just think it's interesting. And I, I kind of want your both of your opinions on this. What other filmmaker or has there been another filmmaker who has kind of like gone back and forth between documentary films and narrative films with such focus as Werner Herzog
1: I, uh, I have no idea Megan uh, maybe you could help me one. on this one well, because uh, Agnes I can't Varda. Think of one either.
0: Agnes Varda Oh that's
1: true that's, that's true that's pretty, very true yeah
0: pretty even split of doc and fiction
1: that's very true if that i remember
0: is, correctly
2: yeah so. that's like a huge omission i did not think about that at all right now. that <laughs> must yeah. be the, the
1: closest um, filmmaker that <laughs> yeah. must be the closest filmmaker to what Elzak was trying to do probably yeah yeah in terms of also complete, putting
0: uh, put she also puts herself in her documentaries yes quite yeah quite literally Just, and directly she
1: doesn't shy she away from, from yeah yeah doesn't shy away from like the the, the making. Uh, I think that's like really like Brechtian, like you know, to actually show like you are watching a movie. And yeah, both of them really don't shy away from this. Uh, shy away from like what the the look of the camera. And there's a, a great moment in the in the in the movie when the, the, with the little I don't know if it's a chimpanzee or monkey. I've never heard uh, I've never learned the difference. But it it reaches out. It, the monkey actually uh, uh, breaks the fourth wall because it reaches <laughs> into the camera and kind of breaks it. And you can see that like, oh, the lens kind yeah. <laughs> <Kenner-Pock. laughs> I, I love that. that was moment. really funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I
0: can't blame him. I mean, those people are torturing him.
1: Sorry. They were not torturing him. I'm, <laughs> I, I really don't agree with your assessment of that situation. It, it seemed really playful to me, and I'm I really yeah. like uh, concerned about like animal cruelty in movies and stuff. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It seemed like he was just like jumping around and and ma- making like uh, like galipets. I don't know how to say. <laughs> Somersaults and stuff. I don't know. I I should rewatch it. Maybe I could see a little despair oh. in his eyes. But I don't know. I, it seemed like he was kind of used to it and not really giving a shit and just horsing around. I don't know, monkeying do you, around. So he monkey, <laughs> think the
0: monkey should be in captivity. Is that what you're saying?
1: Oh yeah, the monkey is in captivity, of course. I mean, it's not a it's not a wild monkey. Are you no, I'm just me? saying
0: you you're saying you endorse that. <laughs>
1: Uh, well, no, I don't. Uh, I mean, every zoo is evil to me. I abs- absolutely don't condone, like, an uh, animal in, can- in captivity. But, I mean, it's not Urzog who put him into this situation, yeah, yeah. you know?
0: No, I, I'm just so, kidding.
1: Oh, my God. Megan, you're no, seeing so it's, many it's good traps one. this episode.
2: No, no, no it's <laughs> so many traps
0: I, well yeah i was telling rob i'm like yeah i'm excited that our guest is a friend of mine so i can like give him a hard time you
1: know oh yeah get into it first, <laughs> I first with the, first I the charlie kaufman film and now this Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah just uh, started up with shitting on my favorite filmmaker favorite <laughs> modern filmmaker that's how it started uh,
0: yeah. you know
2: you know what agnes harder would never do though shoot a, a documentary in 3d Ugh. oh my god <laughs> and and didn't Werner Herzog did that with
1: uh he did cave it I of, think, yeah. cave of forgotten yeah. dreams right yeah yeah he's um, obsessed with dreams again so you can <laughs> see like one of the <laughs> yeah. other themes also i haven't watched it in 3d obviously i i but i watched it on my computer it's uh It's a good like uh, movie, but uh, Er Er Werner is getting old, and so it's it. There is a lack of uh, kind of passion, uh, uh, maybe. uh, It's it's pretty interesting, but yeah, yeah, he actually did it. The absolute madman, the three (laughs) D (laughs) documentary, three D documentary. The
0: whole thing is the whole thing. Yeah. uh Wow.
1: I mean, I guess, I, I think there's like interviews, it's about the discovery of this uh, cave in France uh, with like uh, the most, uh, the oldest paintings. It's quite incredible. I didn't know that even though it's in my country. It's like the oldest country. And when whenever I think about like cave painting, I always see like kind of like uh, ugly, kind of uh, like not really good looking animals or something, but... D- those are like pretty like incredibly detailed uh, drawing that he does and uh, yeah it was it was pretty interesting but he just he's just passionate about every facet of like human culture he just doesn't like condemns uh, his subjects every time he just displays them and tries to make us like touch them with our eyes uh I had maybe a little bit too much wine. <laughs> <laughs> I think the yeah. only
2: documentary that he made that I didn't quite, I'm, I guess I, I guess I'll say like oh yeah why not is yeah. the one that he made about technology. I don't remember the low name. Oh of of yeah,
1: I have a lot. Oh of beef yeah, with low imp- this one.
2: oh my god. Yeah, and yeah, it, yeah. It was just his whole conceit was just technology. It's probably <laughs> it's probably bad. <laughs> I like, was, was like, okay, Werner. All right, we get it. Like-
1: it's, it's I had almost like the opposite point where it was like, okay, it's he, he did like a chapter like, oh, it's there is some bad uh, bad uh, consequences for technology, <laughs> but then he just like give uh, 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 his audience um, he, he gives like uh, his mic to uh, to like Elon 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 Musk tesla and and he takes it he takes him very seriously and i i kind of hate it but Werner is like even though he's like a mythical figure he's becoming an old man he's an old yeah. man yeah. talking about the internet well, sure. yeah. so <laughs> i mean since the 2000 i think like into the abyss it, already you could see like his uh interviewing skills were kind of not the same i think and it's like one of the last really good documentary i've seen from him it's in like 2011 or something after that i i've had trouble with like uh, after 2000 i mean grizzly man oh grizzly man was amazing maybe it's his last biggest great movie he did i think even though Uh, i enjoyed bad lieutenant also (laughs) what's the oh bad lieutenant's
2: so crazy what is uh what's the netflix movie was the social problem is that what it's called
0: The Social Dilemma?
2: The Social Dilemma. Do you think Herzog could have directed a better version of that? Do you think he was watching it at home? The fiction,
0: the reenactments were so (laughs) cheesy. I haven't watched (laughs) The Social
2: Dilemma. Do you think Herzog was at home like I could have done this better. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I yeah, this is like a film that's come out on Netflix in the past few weeks. Guillaume, I'm not sure if it's on French Netflix, but
1: oh, I mean, I don't care. I don't have Netflix. I just pirate, uh, oh, literally okay. everything. So I will, I will pirate it. Uh, I haven't heard about it that much.
0: Yeah, pirate, pirate it. Um, <laughs>
1: it, it just came out, right?
0: Yeah, like oh no,
1: January 26th.
0: Oh. Well, my, my network started talking about it about a month ago.
1: Oh, yeah? <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> Maybe we're I mean, you know,
1: what, what, uh, like, is So it's a documentary. So what kind of like modern documentary maker, like Agnes Varda, uh, rest in peace, has left us. Uh, Werner Herzog is getting old. He's going to leave us someday. He yeah. seems invincible, but it will happen. Like what uh, do you have? Like uh, apart from Megan, of course, do you have any like uh, up-and-coming filmmaker that <laughs> you think could just take the torch?
0: Penny Lane. Penny oh, Lane.
1: Penny's I don't cool. know her.
0: Yeah, she made um, she made uh, Hail Satan.
1: All right. In the past uh,
0: couple I years, it's about more. the Satanist, uh, the sa- the bleh, the Satanic Temple. Um, All right. Amazing. I'm a big fan of hers.
1: I will. La- I will watch that. Yeah. Thank you. I liked a lot. Uh, like, I think the, 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 the um, oh, sorry, Rob, uh, did you have uh, don't want to cut anyone off?
0: Another documentary filmmaker besides me that you like? <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> well, the answer to that is no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I really, um, I don't know if anyone saw this, but Hale County this morning, this evening mm, um, yeah. was a really great documentary. And that's from Mel Ross. And yeah, it's um, awesome. Yeah, that was like uh, an incredibly like visceral uh, experience um, just watching that. And again, there wasn't really any narration. It was just all of these images kind of bleeding together. And it was, uh, yeah, it's an amazing film. I can't wait to see what he does next for sure.
1: I've never heard about it, but I will. Uh, I will put it on my list now. I have the Wikipedia page open, so it's a done <laughs> deal. <laughs> it sounds really great. It looks really great. It lo- looks really great. Yeah. I really liked. Um, uh, I-, I-, I wish it would be as productive as uh, Herzog, who did like three movies a year for thirty years. It's crazy, but uh, Joshua Oppenheimer with the um, the Act of Killing. Oh, I've never or, seen that. Oh, it's an yeah. absolute must-watch for like uh, even for like U.S. involvement in in genocide or complete terror. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's a incredibly incredible movie, and I think it's 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 one of like protege of Herzog uh, or something. I remember vaguely reading about this, but I'm not uh, I'm not so sure. But he did two. He did like um, yeah the act of killing, and the other one, Oppenheimer. Ah. Joshua Oppenheimer. The other one is The Look of Silence. And it's uh, it's set in the same country, I think. Uh, Indonesia, right? I think so, yes. It's in the same um, register of the act of killing. It's kind of the sequel of some kind. It's incredible. The act of killing also has this meta-narrative because he he, he asks uh, actual uh, murderers uh, to uh, reenact their killing. And uh, it pretends it's for, like, a a movie that just, like, reproduces uh, what it does. But what it really does is actually, like, look into the the way they experienced it, the way they remember it. And you you think about, like, a sentiment of, like, shame and... And that they would not agree, but they have like a great pri- pride uh, about the atrocity that they committed, and they just can't. Just they laugh about how they they can reenact it, and they look so like happy about. It. And mm. it's such a dark look into like the cruelty of 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 the of the human condition. It's it's absolutely like ugh. It makes your blood like really really cold to mm. to, to, to see it and that's why that's what I really like about Erzog also it's that uh, it's he hates like a new age kind of uh, looking into the the human psyche about like oh it's all all we are all human being men for love and everything it doesn't shy away from like the 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 cruelty that can like bring up upon like the human condition the human existence he actually portrays it quite well without condemning, condemning it uh, right on. But, uh, but neither like excusing it in any way, just like displaying it very honestly in in a very raw manner. So it's, he can show like the best of people and the worst. And in, it's, it's in the same stage of human condition kind of, I don't know. Hmm. Maybe we should move on now.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. I was going to say la- last words, uh, about land of silence and darkness anyone
2: rob last words everyone should go watch it and talk about it more that's all i have to say
1: and it's it's a pretty good um uh quarantine movie because you don't have to have a netflix account or anything it's in full in youtube there is two version and there is a hd version so i recommend to, to watch the hd version because like the film like it's almost, it sounds almost like silly to talk about it, but it's so well shot. The colors are amazing. You feel yeah. almost bad for enjoying these colors because you're talking about people who can't enjoy them at all, but it's a very well made uh, documentary as well. And yeah. yeah.
0: But Fini does say that. Blind people see colors a lot.
1: Yes, which yes. I didn't know. That's it's so I didn't know either. Yeah. It blew but, my yeah. mind also, and also because the title of the movie is literally called "The Silence and Darkness." And one of the first things she says is like, uh, "Thinking about silence and darkness is a huge mistake. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not silence. It's a complete uh, opposite. It's a buzz. It's something that, uh, and it's not blindness either. It's you can see colors and it overcomes you." And, yeah, yeah, that it was a strange choice, I thought
0: yeah yeah it is really interesting that we're like hearing and seeing people who are talking about a film that the participants cannot experience the the way that we can like yeah that's super interesting and like yeah it's really generous of them to to participate in the film that that they can't they can't see or
1: and there was kind of a also ethic uh, um, uh, question that I had because there is a, a young boy uh, who is born deaf and blind and who obviously doesn't know what's going on around him, and I was yeah. wondering about the ethics of filming him because he cannot absolutely uh, give consent in any way to this mm-hmm. so what, what did he, i was wondering as a, as a i mean what did you think about that did it uh, yeah.
0: That was definitely a thing for me that I was like, Hmm, uh, thinking about Vladimir in particular, Yeah, where it's like, he's never learned to speak. Um, I mean, I, I, maybe there was a way that he consented that they figured out, but I can't imagine what what that would be. So that was kind of the long shot of just on him kind of his behavior. I made me a little uncomfortable.
1: Yes, it um, did for me too. Where I was mm-hmm. just like,
0: "How? Hmm, like, is this okay? Like, is, yeah." And then, but then when Feeney came in and started interacting with him, it, with like a lot of warmth, it made me feel yeah. better about it because yeah. it sort of humanized him um, in another way, like his it's, connection. But at the same time, he is having his own experience, like, and so, but yeah, that's that's a, that's a tough one for me
1: it is i agree i agree i yeah. knew it would be when i saw it i, I knew it, it would be yeah w- what about you rob yeah no i totally agree i
2: didn't really it it was a bit uncomfortable because i felt like it went on for quite some time yeah and at some point i'm like i'm like okay well we understand, very insistent understand, very insistent it's like we understand but like to what length do we need to like i don't know i I don't want to use the word like exploitation or something, but it's like it's too much at some point. Mm-hmm. And I felt at ease also um, when, oh my God, what's her name? Finney? I'm sorry. Fin- yeah, when Finney came over and there was like some warmth and affection yes. and yes. understanding and some like positive quality interaction there. Mm-hmm. But prior to that, I'm just like, oh my God, like I'm looking, I'm, I'm just kind of like clocking this like.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I was looking down terrible. also. Almost. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah i, totally I agree. agree and it's it's amazing how she uh, again yeah she makes the shot uh, kind of uh, bearable because of your uh, of her warmth and mm-hmm. this warmth is one of the first thing that you really see about her because like when she uh, um, uh, invites people to their birth to her birthday and so it's all these deaf blind people, and the, the 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 stakes of the movie has been uh, settled just before in the scene before, where she says, "Just I wanted to participate," and that's that's the the thing, that's mm-hmm. the tagline. She just wants to participate. So when she invites these uh, friends, she just wants all of them to participate as well, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. she just like projects so much warmth to them. And when she greets them, she 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 holds them very strongly in her arms she kissed them very passionately and you can feel in their faces like the joy of uh, of the of uh, enjoyment of a community and i think it's one of like the most basic uh, human needs is 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 this is this link and this community and it's like the base of what this, this movie uh, i think uh, really is about uh, i think mm. yeah
0: totally, yeah
1: because even religion doesn't cut it for her because she, she was in a b- bed bound for 30 years and she said she turned yeah. to religion. And even like if religion can be amazing for a lot of people in, in times of darkness, she, she still says, uh, this terrible loneliness stayed on. Uh, it really struck me because yeah the, the, this feeling of utter complete uh, loneliness was the the most uh, unbearable challenge for for her she like she de- never like complains about like oh i can't watch movies i can't enjoy music or anything the the main objective is is just human uh, link you know and mm-hmm. and uh, yeah Brotherhood, so so horrorhood, I don't know what to say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so brotherhood, Human uh kinship?
1: Uh, yeah, know. kinship, definitely. That's yeah.
2: It. So our next movie is Home, directed by Richard Curson Smith, and starring noted character actor Anthony Scher. Um Guillaume, what wh- when did you see this originally and why did you pick this particular film?
1: Uh, okay, so when did I see it is a great question. I'm not sure I can answer it. I think it must have been uh, last year or at the, at the maximum. But uh, I, ch- I, um, I, I saw it because I was uh, reading a lot uh, of uh, this uh, English writer who is called uh, uh, Mark Fisher, became uh, my, my favorite writer and thinker uh, of this modern uh, contemporary era. Uh, he, he talks a lot about uh, sci-fi and uh, and uh, capitalism in the lens of psychoanalysis. He's a big uh, a L- a Lacan uh, guy. He loves Slavoj Žižek, uh, and so he talks a lot about movies uh, uh, through these lenses. And uh, which is something that I've never really learned. I, I haven't like studied psychology or anything. I haven't gone to college, so I was just like really struck from his language and the way he was talking about uh, uh, the, the human mind. So it made me, like, actually go through the Freud stuff and not much Lacan because I think it's, like, 70 percent bullshit <laughs> anyway <laughs> but a few uh slavish zizek as well and i think it's a great uh like uh, appropriate uh lens to um interpret this movie because uh it's an adapt- adaptation uh, of a short story by uh, ballard which is uh, this english writer uh, was actually influenced by uh psychoanalytic uh, writers like uh, freud uh, for example. So I think for once, it's really appropriate to see it in that way. And I was really like, uh, it's funny because when I uh, told my two movies that I wanted to see, I didn't really link them at all. I was like, oh yeah, this other one, I want to talk about with someone. And it was the same with this one. I was like, oh, I want want to talk about this shit with someone because (laughs) it is too fucked up to keep inside. It's going to eat me alive. And 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 when I saw them back to back today, I realized like their like obvious uh, link is that uh, Finny was looking for a connection and 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 entering human society, and it's exactly uh, the reverse of what mm-hmm. the main character of uh, this movie is looking for. Is is totally. uh, he's, he's looking for total uh, isolation, and and looking for. Uh, being a uh, cut from human society civil society really mm-hmm. so yeah
0: wow yeah so this film is about a guy who what's the character's name gerald
1: uh, gerald. Yeah, gerald ballantyne i yeah. i wrote it and i i i wrote uh, next to it a messy bitch who loves drama. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that makes me think about
2: <laughs>
0: the there's a quote that he says something about the conquest of inner space. Like yeah. he's just like in his house. Basically, he's about to go back to work after an accident. He's on like medical leave from work, and his wife has left him. So He's about to go back to work and then he just decides not to go back and starts this experiment where he's doing like a video diary of uh, tracking basically his life and documenting his life and filming his neighbors from the upstairs window. And like he has to eat different things around the house slash neighborhood (laughs)
1: there's a lot of animal cruelty in this one too
2: that's the the
1: true theme of the two
2: (laughs) yeah it's animal cruelty at the end the veil theme
0: (laughs) yeah so what rob what was this journey like for you
2: oh i'm sweating thinking about it well um... especially
0: during during covid (laughs)
2: I I don't want to be controversial, but I think this is a hidden Charlie Kaufman film. Um, Really? (laughs) I feel like he (laughs) he ghost directed this. It has a lot of uh, similar themes going along through it. Um, Kind of. I I don't. Well, look, I just I have to ask. This is the thing that I kept thinking about for hours after I watched the film. So he goes. Our protagonist—I don't know if you can call him a protagonist—but our our central <laughs> character, uh, Gerald, um, goes to the grocery store for one last hurrah and buys all these cans and all of this fruit. And he gets all of this stuff, and somehow it lasts fewer than twenty-one days. Like, how did he? How did he like devour all of that food so quickly?
1: I am so <laughs> mad. I'm so <laughs> mad at him. It's like. I, because I, he doesn't have self-restraint at all <laughs> and it's it's not him who buys the the food uh, by the way it's it's his uh wife it's his wife that left that leaves him and uh she leaves all this uh in the because i actually like i wanted to do the homework and so i uh, i read the the short story and he, he, he takes it as some kind of like uh, a guilt thing from her, from his ex-wife. Like she leaves him and she doesn't want to leave him like by himself with nothing. Okay. He's a huge man, baby. You can see that right away <laughs> with his like relation <laughs> right. to her. Yeah. She like talks to him like he's a child, really like, oh, you're becoming so kind of self-reliant. Like, you know, she kind of patronizes him rightly i think right. and so she left him with all this food uh, which in the book he says is like a bachelor kind you know it's like uh just pasta and ham and so he's yeah. just left with this and he think of himself as an explorer so he thinks that like, oh i'm going to ration this and be intelligent so it can, lo- it can it can last me for like three months but he's he's a fucking idiot so
0: <laughs> i <laughs> yeah, i would like- i i would posit that he does not know how to grocery shop.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's, Obviously that's fair. He doesn't, yeah. He just
0: did. He just doesn't want to do anything for himself. That's why yeah. he stayed home because his wife left. That's because he's, he's standing
2: there, like arms akimbo, looking at all this food. And in my brain, I'm like, <laughs> oh, he's going to make it forever. And then, like, it's yeah. like three or four scenes of him like eating fruit on the floor and like <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, he's like just gorging himself he he's just gorging himself shit. he's yeah. like eating shit in bed it's like he's kicking over the <laughs> bowl drinking. with his but Yeah, I he's lie. drinking.
1: He's like, such a fucking comic character, <laughs> yeah. right? I'm like, it, like, what? It's is a dramatic this? situation, but at the same time, you can't <laughs> help but just fucking laugh at the the guy who just think of himself like, oh yeah, I'm going to ration, and he obviously just doesn't. He just drinks no. a lot, gets drunk, and just eats, <laughs> eat, eat, and like, like, eats, for- eats. He like eats, 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 and then
2: and then I'm thinking, I'm like, because it, it's multiple diary entries, and so I'm like, oh, this is at least like. Three or four weeks, and then he's like, "It's been seven hours, and I'm out of food." (laughs) I'm like, like, "How did you devour all of this food?" And then, and then it just really accelerates where he's like, "I got hunger pains. Time to go to the garden."
1: And I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, oh. He just starts to boil, like, leaves and shit. And he's, like, doing, like, this little, like, YouTube-style, like, review of the shit he eats, which is not food at all.
0: Well, yeah, you you get a picture of his former job where he's, like, worked at a a food processing plant or, like, a food-making place and did, like, focus groups with housewives. And now he's a housewife. And he's like describing the flavors of the yeah. garden soup.
2: Yeah, he's, he's a, like, I, I kind of a mouthfeel on this or whatever. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, I noted it because it made me laugh so hard the first time I watched it. And the, the, the second time I watched it, it, made me laugh even harder. He says, like, he's just, he doesn't have any food in the house left. So he goes into the garden. He goes at night because he doesn't want to be seen, which I thought was really interesting. He goes at night and then, like, the movie kind of, like... Uh, switches like it, it it takes like this really dark and like oh it's for real for this and it just like takes leaves and shit and <laughs> so he just starts eating it on camera and he says and i love this review of food he says it's woody <laughs> it's foresty <laughs> it's foresty yeah it's foresty <laughs> I was like, oh he drinks mm. fucking shampoo before like oh, he yeah. actually realizes oh i can actually like eat the neighbor's dog like it's almost by accident like he traps the, the neighbor's cats by accident and then he's like oh maybe i can do something <laughs> with this
0: so because sinister. He's like, I have a new friend. Yeah, <laughs> and he eats it.
1: I mean, let's be
2: honest. Even if he wasn't doing this experiment, he would have eaten Mr. Fred because he hated that dog. <laughs> like he hated that <laughs> dog. <laughs> he hated that he dog. He hated it. That's the like neighbor's
0: it. dog. Yeah.
2: yeah, that's like his character introduction. And is like five minutes in. He's like. I hate Mr. Fred, and I'm like, "Oh, you're, <laughs> this is who you
1: are." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and oh I God. think that there's a really like, a great feminist point in in it because, like, usually when you see like the the breakdown of the s- suburbia, it's almost it's mostly like women who just like are tired of being uh, in, inside and and being a. Uh, uh, compared to have just a private life and being forbidden to have public life. And, and that's what I think makes the movie so terrible for him is that for once, he, the, the the extreme experience that he think he's feeling is just the experience of a woman in a modern society, which is like confined into the private home, and the <laughs> public sphere is only for the men, and and the woman is just there to interact and prepare the home and makes food and stuff, and this is nightmare for him, like he can't. <laughs> just cannot deal with it (laughs) at all
0: (laughs) yeah so then there's the other dimension of he's trying to survive but he's also thinks he's making some sort of scientific discovery upstairs yeah. yeah the rooms are expanding and there's a lot of light and like high contrast high exposure like kind of horror vibes uh yeah definitely which is like where is that coming from is that hunger that is making him see things,
1: or yeah, I think it's uh, both a component of like extreme isolation and just delirium from not getting enough nutrients uh, in in himself, and that's why it's, it, uh, where the psychoanalytical uh, part I think kicks in is that uh, uh, Mark Fisher uh, says that it's uh, a, really a breakdown of the discomfort of the civilization, which is a, a Freud text. And he lists uh, the the main displeasure of the of the modern man uh, in, in this text, and I thought that was really interesting because it really tells us about uh, what he wanted, uh, what the, the author wanted uh, his character to suffer. Really, so it, it, Freud says it's there's three sources of uh, what he called unpleasure. So it's the deterioration of, uh, like, the destruction of uh, uh, your own body, you know, and, uh, like, anxiety, pain, like, physical signs. Uh, It's the outer world and its destructive forces. Like, it rages against us with overwhelming, uh, merciless forces of destruction. That's how he, he spells it out. And the last one is a relationship with other humans. And he says in his text, he says... Uh, this last source might be the most painful uh, of them all. And that's why, uh, that's what the character is uh, trying to shield himself from. And, and it's so incredible that his inner space, like, is not really that inner because it's still outer. It's still his home. It's still his house. It's not mm-hmm. part of his body. But the fact that he, um, in a very, like, modern sense of the word, like, he, he, he completely, like, uh, put his own home as a part of his identity. So it's only natural and logic that now uh, uh, the home is a reflection of that identity and the, the, the ways it uh, interacts uh, with his existence. And so he projects this inner self on this and he cannot find space because it's only a house. So he just like completely bends it and, and finds transcendence almost in this very like uh, pervert way because this uh, uh, this transcendence uh, accumulates into uh, the murder of his secretary who is the only person who is actually like a, uh, a concern about him and tests him mm. and realizes what's what's going on and kind of respects also like the, the thing that he's trying to uh, achieve because she's a scientific like him kind of and so he's like okay it's, it's your research and then at the end he there's this bl- complete blindness, he's completely lost into his own inner world, and which really like uh, dialogues with the uh, other uh, movie because when I was watching it, I thought about that guy lost in his own head and I can only th- think about Vladimir and mm. the, the way he was also completely retracted into his own chaotic uh, universe. And it's the same for him. He's just like interacting. Like the big other is completely destroyed. There is no laws. There is no language. There is no like symbols uh, shared with anyone. He's just all alone. And the last symbol that he, he see and the last uh, like objective is this woman who comes to rescue him. And he sees this as this ultimate object of desire. And 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 you can see that this inner... A space wasn't not uh, inner after all. It was still seeking for a human connection. Uh, at the very end, when we think like he's all alone, is in in his own universe, in his own cosmos. He was he's still looking for a human companionship, and he ends up killing her and freezing her in ice, in like terrifying like twist uh, of fate. I mean. It made me feel um, think also about like David Blaine weirdly because I've been on this David Blaine kick when I was watching like this uh, his magic tricks and he did exactly the same uh, thing as a guy as a as a man was like oh what would be the worst thing oh to be just confined into my own home not to interact with anyone I could not imagine what it would be like like (laughs) of course you're a man of course you don't know what it's like so the way he started to want to achieve that it was to be hang uh, on a, like a, platform, a plexiglass box uh, mm. on London for like 44 days without any food, just water and being completely exposed into this space. And two years before that, he does exactly the same thing as the end of that uh, movie and that uh, short story is that he, he immerses himself in ice and uh, he, he wants to break the world record of like being in the ice the longest and stuff. But he mm-hmm. it, it can't uh, manage it, and I think it, the the I, I saw like the documentary about it a few days ago, and it's so similar because the, when he um, actually like gives up on his experiment uh, on his world record, uh, David Blaine is when his wife uh, comes to see him, and he feels as though uh, she doesn't see him, she doesn't witness him, and I think that's one of the like basic human need also is to be witnessed by a loved one and he, he, he feels as though she doesn't see him so he feels like oh I'm, i must be dead then so he I actually just like breaks it off and tell like the 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 the, the, the managers or any <laughs> or whatever <laughs> to just may stop like they take a fucking chainsaw and, and cut a hole inside the thing so he can actually breathe a little bit and, and interact because he's just completely lost in this ice world. And that's exactly what it, it, it ends up with, the protagonist of the, of, the, of this movie also. He's, he's just completely lost in, 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 inside and he realizes that uh, the, uh, the, the travel is not valuable and maybe not real, if there is not also a, ch- a companion, a comrade to witness it with you. I think mm-hmm. that's the main uh, takeaway, maybe. I don't know. Hmm.
0: Yeah, it makes me wish this were like a buddy comedy. Where, <laughs> <laughs> where it's like two li- two young boys and they're like, there's something up in the attic.
2: <laughs> like that,
0: That would be a lot more more fun to watch
2: it's all okay,
0: I, <laughs> I did enjoy watching
2: it it's almost a you, funny you... comedy when the cable guy comes over though oh yeah i love <laughs> the
1: cable guy
2: <laughs> the cable guy is great because he has like this like 1950s like brooklyn candor where, where it's like uh gerald's like well where's your uh where's your van then and the guy's like i parked it around the street you know so uh people don't get the wrong idea i don't want to them to see i'm coming you know and I'm like oh I love yeah. this, this character and then he's like what are you some kind of he like takes two steps in the house and he's like what are you some kind of pervert? <laughs> <And I'm> like, <laughs> I'm like, I love go. this
1: actor. Oh, yeah. I love them also. <laughs> uh, you know when when you first see him it's like well they told me that I wanted to, I, I need to unplug your cable but they didn't tell me anything <laughs> about a leper or, or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. like i love that he looks like, hamming awful it up. yeah he's like he looks <laughs> terrible
2: and then the, the cable guy's like oh what are you watching on this uh this television i don't even want to know pal and i'm like oh my god like this that's that's very
1: brutally in working class that's it's true. such like that's a working true. class
2: yeah and i'm like oh my god this character rules and he's like all right buddy i'm gonna go up the stairs. just yeah, give because- me some breathing room it's the it, ultimate
1: though. like bourgeois fantasy. Also, <laughs> it's like it made me feel uh, like you know Jack, like the CEO of Twitter, going into like this uh, retreat where you don't talk to anyone. It's such like a first world uh, luxury mm. to like give up your luxury. Some people just don't have them, and the movie like actually starts up with that. He says, uh, and I think that's pretty important. He says, like, if I was uh, in Tel Aviv or in Beirut. Uh, my action would be seen as logical and uh, and safe because I would protect mm. myself from danger. But here in the suburbs, it is seen as deviant yet invisible. And it really, I think, uh, like settles the dichotomy between like his, situ- his first world situation, his first world problems, his bourgeois fantasy of complete retreat and yeah. uh, and also like taking a hold of like uh essential living you know like oh without mm-hmm. any luxury without like pizza whatever. and even you know, that he can't do it yeah no he ends up like fucking ordering pizza <laughs> <laughs> because he's too that fucking conf- angry
0: that confession was so funny and oh yeah um, it was yeah that just bring, brings me to uh the the home video and just like the different cameras involved because i feel like it's like it's it's almost documentary in nature, like self-documentation yes. that he does, and just how like the camera, the the but the movement of the non-camcorder, the the cinema camera is yeah. really kind of like creepy and like panning a lot and zoom. It's a very like
1: intrusive movement,
0: almost. yeah, yeah, and it's like another character that's like in the house because.
2: With
1: like. Yeah, he's so nude already in this condition and he, and he chooses to show us some things with his own camcorder, but it's, that's not enough for the filmmaker. He, he still chooses to, it's not a complete like found f- footage or a movie, you know, when you only mm-hmm. have this footage. He also like puts uh, this and it feels really like, uh, yeah um not annoying i would say like revolting you're like oh no i mean i've already seen enough about this guy i don't need to see him because and it, and you can see like the way he portrays himself and the way he really is and that's what's magical also about it the way he think of himself and the way he really is he thinks of yeah. himself as this explorer this guy who can ration and can take care of himself and stuff and you can also in, in this like non-filmed, uh, 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 like in these film moments, but by the director, you can see him just getting annoyed, struggling. And when he's filming himself, he's just like, well, the experiment is going great." <laughs> 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 yeah, so
0: yeah he's like filming himself and then, but he's also being filmed by, you know, is he, he's like covered. Yeah he's speaking different ways and it's funny so to see like did you, yeah, behind the scenes of
1: yeah
2: what he's really so did like did you enjoy it yeah
1: did you think it was a good uh, it was a good movie rob i did
2: i mean there there were parts of it like i was talking about with the i guess the uh ancillary characters made me laugh a lot uh mm-hmm. and it was pretty grim in parts but also pretty funny um i'm glad that i watched it i i'm becoming more and more invested and fascinated by television movies for some reason yeah. like, I'm going down this this weird rabbit hole um i i have to ask you both though like i agreed with gerald god forbid on one thing and that, <laughs> and that was like that his neighbor martin was like a little annoying like,
1: oh, <laughs> really, like <laughs> so fucking annoying so nosy was yeah, so annoying Okay, good, so you both
2: classic. agree with me. Classic <laughs> nosy yeah.
1: neighbor. You feel bad about him, but it's like like this classic British character of like, uh, oh, he's, he's, he's putting his nose in other people's business. And so when, like, it's awful that he killed his dog, obviously, and it ate him, but... At the same times when he's like, "Oh well, we lost to Mister Fred and like this ridiculous name already for a dog, Mister Fred," come on. <laughs> right. and like, and and the hell, oh, I also lost my cat, and and <laughs> and he, he tells him like laughing at his face. I Mark Fisher says at this point that he completely like. Uh, uh, uh forgets about uh that's the point where he quits polite society that's very un British of him that he just laughs at his face and says maybe they eloped together
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> so funny so uh,
2: I think I would have been more on Gerald's side if he had eaten Martin instead of Mr.
1: Fred <laughs> to be honest. Like, yeah I
0: fully expected uh cannibalism to arrive at some yeah, point it's
1: not very yeah, yeah it's maybe less one of the last taboos because like the the, yeah. the the film deals in taboos like the, there's like uh, actual money being burnt and it's on the BBC and the, right. the Queen is on the money so it's a pretty big taboo I think in English culture maybe I don't know I'm not yeah. British but I was like oh shit burning the Queen's face that's pretty like edgy or something but yeah yeah the cannibalism uh, part was not very much breached at all because it, I, yeah. it, it felt maybe more as a caveman uh, than a monster you know it was, mm-hmm. he was he was inside his own cave, he's inside his own dream world, and I don't know
2: <laughs> I don't I don't know what that says about you and I, Megan, but i I also thought that there's a scene when he opens the door. And he's on his knees when he opens the door. And I was like, Yes, oh, did he like amputate one of his own legs and like eat it or something? And I was like, is that why he's like on his knees or whatever? And then I was like, Oh Rob, you're just gross. No, that's not true at all. Like he's just very exhausted. He
1: goes, he like, goes full feral. Uh, he's just <laughs> doesn't give a shit. That's a fucking no. like worker yeah. that's just here to unplug his fucking shitty box that he doesn't use anyway. And that he uses just to kill the, the guy and he doesn't eat them he, <laughs> eat him. he just uh he, he kind of I, I i thought it was a kind of a human sacrifice because he's like oh no don't go too enthusiastic it's too dangerous but then he yeah. kills him and i'm like you're the danger mate <laughs> yeah yeah and and then he just like kind of i think he, he he hides the body in the attic or something maybe i'm wrong but it's it's it feels like kind of a offering to a god like a human sacrifice he's not yeah, there's no part of cannibalism at all. It's just like, okay, there's like this black hole in my attic. So that must be a pretty convenient way to get rid of a body, I guess. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, Guillaume, did you like Anthony Scheer's performance?
1: Well, I mean, that, I was, that was a question that I wanted to ask you guys is that I did not know uh, Anthony Scheer before. I've never, I don't think I've watched a movie by him
0: before. Me neither. What, what? yeah.
1: Did you watch uh, Rob? Did you, did you you seem to know him a little bit?
2: Oh, it's just being facetious and awful. I don't, I don't really know him, but but he, uh, I, I looked him up and did a little bit of research. Yeah. And it appears that he did a lot of stage work. Like he was a yes, big, a big actor um, on the stage. So they
1: they said he was like the favorite actor of Prince Charles or something on his Wikipedia page, and I was like, oh wow, okay. yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. I don't. Um, know, I mean probably i don't know <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> yeah this was very theatrical and it
2: was
1: yeah yes. it could have
0: totally taken place because there's only one setting Completely. it could have easily been a play um, amazing I wonder if play. It has been uh, uh, i don't yeah, think I don't... It
1: would, because the screenplay is what was like direct to, to to tv so i don't think it would be mm-hmm. but i mean the uh, the way the only thing that i think would maybe prov- um, prevent uh, it to be uh, on the stage would be uh the special effect of the house expanding, which is so important uh, of the, in the well, narrative, I mean, it it would be. Completely possible in the stage, but it, it's really striking in the movies. But I mean, now that I think about it, it's a dumb point because in the stage it could completely work. You could just completely yeah. just expand the stage, and it would be like an amazing effect. It, mm-hmm. It's just it's a play waiting to be adapted. maybe. Yeah. you, you yeah. should do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I'll think about it, yeah. but yeah, just it's interesting that we watched a TV movie. You know, that's not something I typically watch unless because I, I don't really have a TV or anything. So. It's uh it's an interesting choice and like the because the fact that it's like 63 minutes long like that's an interesting length for a film and definitely the sort of the camera work and the vibes evoked tv for me in certain ways like there were definitely. times when i was thinking about tv crime show like reenactments or something definitely super bright and stuff where it it was a little ch- bordering on cheesy for me Of course but, um okay fully cheesy
1: I, I, I completely agree and I think that's it's, it's kind of the point also sometimes because he he says this uh, sentence at the end of the movie is like it's the most extreme makeover and I think it's kind of mm. a a play on the on the self narrative and on the control uh, narrative of like reality TV also because there's these confessionals which is like mm-hmm. completely uh, from reality TV you know just, uh, just a guy a talking yeah. head just a guy talking about what he feels and stuff and that's very much reality TV so uh, I think that was very great that it it wasn't just a, 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 an actual cinema movie of 90 minutes that it was an actual BBC movie I thought like it it strengthened it uh, in, in some way I thought uh, but yeah I, I got into TV movies because of, uh, of Mark Fisher because uh, in France and US I don't think there is like really quality TV programming Uh, there is in like, maybe like documentary crime, like forensic files is pretty neat. Uh, Like there is some stuff, but uh, the BBC uh, in the 20th century, and that's why Mark Fisher is, uh, it's one of these uh, main uh, points. Is, he calls it uh, moder- uh, popular um, modernism because it, it feels like uh, the BBC in the 60s and 70s uh, displayed avant-garde uh, movies and avant-garde uh, fiction works, and it, it displayed it without uh, like uh, putting into like too much avant-garde and too like uh, an incomprehensible uh, layer. It put it so actual people working class people anyone could actually enjoy them and take something from them and mm-hmm. and so he, he actually reviewed a lot of uh, bbc tv so i've actually like gone into a lot of bbc movies and stuff i don't think it's the case anymore i think the bbc is quite shitty now but uh, it used to be like in the 60s and 70s like great works of science fiction like daphne du maurier short pieces and uh, a, a, a lot of like uh, seminal uh, sci-fi writers that got their work adapted by the BBC with like really amazing telefilms that really like don't have anything to be ashamed of uh, uh, in comparison to actual uh, yeah theater movie I don't know what to call it cinema or whatever you know. Mm. That's something like the that the British, uh, like as a Frenchman, it pains me to say, but uh, <laughs> the British has, have mastered that. Like they have, they have done yeah. some great TV fiction, uh, definitely. Yeah. yeah, which is it's, completely lacking now.
0: Yeah, it's very new to me. So thanks for the introduction.
2: Yeah, thanks. Yeah, you got me started on watching, on diving in and watching a lot of old TV movies. And you're right. I don't think there's any quality television movies that are being made currently in the United States. I did watch one the other day from the 70s called Bernice Bob's Her Hair and it was directed by Joan Micklin Silver and it was so good and it was about 60 minutes. is about the running time of um, home mm-hmm. and it had some really great performances from like Shelley Duvall and Veronica Cartwright and it was like the right amount of time, 60 minutes. is like my sweet spot. Like give me a 60 minute movie all the time. definitely. Yeah. Um, and it gave directors who were really talented, the ability to kind of work will work generally period. If they couldn't get the funding for like a, a feature length film and kind of do creative things that they wouldn't otherwise be able to do. And I feel like that also is something that can be said for Richard Kirsten Smith with this film. Um, so just like giving, directors the opportunity to make something is it kind of gets lost like it doesn't really happen a lot and i feel like a lot of directors are stuck doing television Mm -hmm. um which i mean that's a whole other topic but yeah i think it's really interesting
1: yeah, and, and yeah. Netflix could be picking up uh, the slacks and could uh, like actually take risks and and uh, actually like produce these kinds of uh, like challenging works, but they are not interested in doing that at all. No. Yeah. And if uh, my last recommendation, if you are like into like TV, uh, BBC uh, TV film, uh, would be um, uh, uh, an adaptation of a, po- of a short story by uh, M. R. James which is called Oh Whistle and I'll Come to You, My Lad. Uh, it was first adapted in the 60s. And I think it's it's a pretty solid, good movie, but it was re-adapted uh, like, pretty recently, like in the 2000s by the BBC with like John Hurt in oh. 2010. Hmm. I don't know if you like John Hurt or not, but I, I did not know. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it, it's uh, an amazing adaptation. And it also like doesn't shy away from... I hate when... Like it's different from like if with songs I like when you when you have uh, like when you redo a song uh, i am I'm stupid but I like to make it exactly the same way as it was, but with like adaptation like actually cinematographic adaptation, I want absolutely the opposite I want you to like take to put something more on onto it and to enrich mm-hmm. it and I think the adaptation in two thousand and ten of uh, oh we saw and I'll come to my dad uh with John hurt absolutely like transfigured and 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 transformed the original text and and didn't betray it at all but it, it's such a frightening uh, uh scene like I, I was really like i'm not easily like frightened by horror movie but this one was really like rattling because again i think what's most like rattling and most frightening is like the Actual most biggest uh, fear, and that's why I was uh, asking you about your biggest fear at the uh, at the beginning, is that that's the fucking source of all this uh, fiction that can actually moves you. and And, and in the adaptation, is about losing your the love of your life. It could be like losing your sight. It could be like losing your, your children. It's this very real uh, human experience, which are um, ghosts that can haunt us in our life and i think that's mm-hmm. where like science fiction and horror is the most effective and is it, when it can illustrate and it can makes us feel this deep horror of a uh, human experience and of different uh human uh, trauma you know yeah. <laughs>
0: now i need a glass of wine <laughs>
1: Well um, you can't because you're not in Paris. You're in, you're <laughs> in the West Coast. No,
0: it's one PM.
1: And it's it's one PM mainly, yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um Yeah, well speaking of like as we start to wrap up, uh I'm curious how film uh, influences your music making or if it does at all. Or what what you have an album coming out pretty soon, or an EP?
1: Yeah, EP album, let's say. Album because it's it it sounds less uh, sucky <laughs> sounds better album sounds more serious
0: re- you <laughs> could it, say record record a
1: record better. yeah i love that that's a, a an english word that we don't have uh, in france mm-hmm. uh, a record is a, a terrific word yeah. um i think it does but as like uh every consumption of culture uh really really does as inspiration comes from the most unlikely places uh trauma uh, joy uh, memories but also like the the movies and the artists you will because th- there's so much like effort into like uh confining like a director as a director a musician as a musician and uh, like a, a fashion designer as a fashion designer well it's just stems from the absolute same uh, source material which is a human experience so I think most musicians are a fan of movies, and the other way around. Most uh, directors respect musician, Most musicians uh, respect uh, director because it feeds uh, into the same uh, vortex, like into the same uh, ether, and it it, uh, it 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 tries to transcribe and uh, to actually uh, represent uh, the the thing that languages uh, cannot. And languages can be very rich and very subtle. But art will always be richer and uh, and aesthetic will always come from uh, these uh, works of art. And it's absolutely, it's hard sometimes to talk about this. It's, it's amazing to talk about it, but you can see the limits of your own language. Uh, even if English is not my uh, native language, I can feel when I'm talking to you, how I'm restrained by it. And I would be uh, restrained by uh, it if I was talking in French also. Uh, it it, it talks about the. it it treats with something that cannot be talked and that's what uh, art should be and will remain to be and the politician can do whatever they want, they can destroy (laughs) our existence however they see fit they will never destroy this I think that's what the main beauty and the main uh, necessity of it uh, really lies on I think yeah
0: yeah (laughs) <laughs> so, your, so your your upcoming record tell us yeah uh
1: I'm, I'm 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 going to uh, release uh an album at some point I, w- I was supposed to uh release it on my birthday but it's it's getting a bit difficult so with the lockdown and stuff i i can't really like uh, work as uh i wish i could but uh it's called uh amour uh, volume one it's uh love uh, volume one uh, uh, I'm I'm getting uh, a, a little bit away from my previous album, which was a really concept album, and I wanted to talk about a story, almost as a film. And now uh, I, I just want to just do good songs. I just want, <laughs> I just want to uh, I, w- I just want to manufacture bops. <laughs> so that's what this album is about. <laughs> it's just me wanting to just produce bops and good songs to <laughs> dance to with your friends and to relax and to make yourself feel like maybe uh, the end of the world is not the end of the world.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Love it. Yeah.
1: So yeah? so yeah, it's going to be all bobs. Anarcho pop. i volume one, uh, coming soon to all streaming services. Uh, near you. And I want to thank you for uh, inviting me because I, Obviously, you can uh, hear it in my voice. Uh, love talking about this shit, and really? I don't uh, get to uh, quite often enough. So yeah. it was very, very nice to talk uh, with it uh, with you guys, and, and for you to take the time to actually like uh, really uh, go in, get into it. Uh, I yeah. loved it. Totally. It yeah, it was so much fun. Thank you for coming on today. You. Oh I mean God. Thank you. <laughs> <Did>
0: you <laughs> don't plug your handles or anything uh what, what or instagram or
1: whatever. uh well it's uh, anarchopop. if you google it mm-hmm. you will find me it's a-n-a-r-c-h-o-p-o-p so if you google it you will find me and if you want to talk to me about anything i will talk to you about anything so uh, <laughs> don't, uh, don't hesitate
0: yeah yeah this was great if you ever have another pair of doc and fiction that you want to talk to someone about you can always let us know
1: yes. Be, yes. yeah yes Definitely. Yeah. I would love it. I would love to. Thank you guys.
0: It is really cool to be able to provide a place where it's like, I have to watch this film. I have to yeah. discuss it. Cause otherwise it's kind of hard to choose what to watch. And, Definitely. Uh, yeah. This has been I5 Cinema Bound. I'm Megan Hattie.
2: I am Rob Patrick. Our I'm Guillaume, Guillaume. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> to
1: control that. freak to let you into the <laughs> <laughs> No, no, go ahead, go ahead. And I'm Guillaume Mathieu coming to you live.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye, y'all.
1: Bye.
0: bye. Get in the car. Seatbelt on. Handful of popcorn. What's that sound? Pull onto I five, cinema bound.